name is Stephen Kilger, and I'm the managing editor of Feeding Grain Magazine and the host of the Feeding Grain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today as we dive deep into the issues affecting the feed manufacturing, grain handling, and allied industries. Today, I'm talking to Mallory Gaines, Director of Market Access and Multilateral Affairs for the American Feed Industry Association, about what's happening in international feed and feed ingredient trade. But before that, I'm happy to announce today's episode is brought to you by the Bin Whip from Numat Systems. The powerful dual-impact bin whip removes the toughest buildup and blockages in industrial storage silos without hazardous silo entry. Learn more today at binwhip.com. Thank you, Numat Systems, for sponsoring the show. If you want to help out podcast and are listening in a podcasting app, please rate us and subscribe. If you're listening online, sign up for the Feeding Grain Newsletter Industry Watch to see the latest podcasts and stay up to date with all the news from around the industry. Now, on to the show. Hi, Mallory. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's great having you. I really appreciate it. It's an exciting time. New year, new us. So good to see what's going on in the feed industry and especially the trade portion of it. But before we get into everything, can you tell us, our listeners, a little... I don't know why I always say us. Me and our listeners, a little bit more about yourself and what you do with AFIA. Happy to introduce myself to uh, you and the listeners. Mallory Gaines with American Feed Industry Association, Director of Market Access and Multilateral Affairs. Here at AFIA, I do trade and market access. So I'm helping our members export and import their products, as well as gain new market access into other countries and other regions of the world. Excellent. Yeah, that's such important work too. People don't realize how much how much it just goes into everyday trade with other countries. Yes, it's hard. <laughs> it really is, and very complicated. Can you provide kind of an overview of the landscape of international feed trade right now, at least from the U.S.'s perspective? Yes, absolutely. Our exports in animal feed are continuing to get larger year to year, which is very exciting. And I will mention that from an AFIA perspective, I'm mainly looking at our feed additives and ingredients, all of those micronutrients that go in making up a complete feed versus some of the bulk commodities. So when I'm talking about trade, it's going to be a lot of on feed additives and ingredients. I don't think it's a surprise for folks to hear that one of our biggest competitors is the European Union. And when you do take away those corn and corn co-products, the EU is slightly more in their exports than we are in the U.S. Our top markets for feed additives, is, I think, is very interesting. We have China, Mexico, Canada, and South Korea. And China is kind of a new one. Uh, we gained some market access there and are excited to have, have more access to that market and be shipping more over there. We also see an increase in those markets of their interest in free feed additives, premix, and compound feeds. So a lot of them, that is the top commodity that's going into those countries. So I think that's a very exciting outlook for the feed industry in general and shows that we are growing and can continue to grow and not to keep using the word grow, but our growth is outside the United States. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is where the growth is, right? Especially in those China and those developing markets, which are demanding more and more food and more and more yes, meat. Yes, yeah. I imagine the differences between shipping products to the European Union and, say, shipping products to China that must be so different. How do the various countries, their regulatory framework impact international trade, uh, what are the, some of the challenges and opportunities do these policies present, especially for businesses here in the United States? Yes. 
Different regulations and different policies can really create barriers to trade. I say there are barriers to trade and then there are barriers to trade. And it's very hard to increase market access if you can't even say register your product in that country due to misguided regulations. So they massively impact feed exports. So for our perspective, feed additives and ingredients come in all different types. And often regulators want to set one regulation, say a level of contaminant that covers everything. And that just really doesn't work for feed additives and ingredients. They're added to different products. They're treated different ways. There's heat treatment, there's pressure treatment, there's all sorts of things that go into these ingredients. And when you just set an arbitrary level, you can really hinder business and access to that market. I saw the other day that there was news that AFIA got a grant from the USDA to help advocate interest in feed exports. I think specifically with China and maybe one other country that I don't remember. But uh, how does AFIA promote that mission? How do they use that money to difference in accessing those markets? Yes, that is an excellent question and one I'm happy to answer. So U.S. Department of Agriculture has their market access program funding. AFIA has been a cooperator of the program, which you have to be, that's their technical term, for the last several years. And we have been focusing our efforts actually in Vietnam with some China, I'd say. And Vietnam, because it is such a developing market, Their economy continues to grow, their middle class continues to grow, and their food production sector continues to grow. And by food production, I mean animal agriculture and aquaculture, which is the perfect sweet spot for AFIA because with that growing middle class, you have a lot of interest in pet food, actually, which is something we're doing in that sector or in that country, rather. And then also on the growing agriculture side, that's where we want to start to promote our feed additives and ingredients. So very excited about the funding. For China, we've utilized that funding and are continuing to utilize it to gain market access. We had a very hard time registering facilities in the past. And with the China Phase 1 agreement and with some of our funding and outreach, we were able to work with the Chinese government, work with the U.S. government. And now that path forward is actually pretty clear. And we've been getting more and more feed additives and ingredients on China's you know, quote unquote lists. You can't see me making quotation marks, but quote unquote lists. So our folks can export and they are. So that's a wonderful success story where we utilized funding, advocacy, kind of all the tools in our toolbox to open up a market for our members. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and as we mentioned, kind of getting into those markets, which is kind of a very specific region area. Is it different when you try to go to say then export to the European Union? Like what do we do that's different for those type of markets than we do for these kind of emerging markets in the East? Yes, every market is different. The EU is a completely different vibe and regulatory system. You know, they are a developed country, so we're really we have to meet, you know, the standards that they set in order to export to them. We are working actually and have been working with our counterpart in the EU. Their association name is FIFAC. And we've been trying to get more access for feed additives and ingredients working with FIFAC and working with our governments. I hope that that endeavor is successful, but it's something we are chipping away at because ultimately the EU's perspective on regulations and how they set up their regulations is a little different from ours. You may be familiar with the term precautionary principle, which is something that the EU utilizes and we really don't in the United States. So it's is something that we constantly, I would say, kind of up against 
and having to either to comply with in order to export, or it is a big effort to try to adjust those regulations to be more of a U.S. science-based mindset. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a problem all over the place. (laughs) I know, I know. I feel like we could talk about a whole podcast could just be like Mexico's issue with GM corn. Yes, exactly. Right, right. So we'll have to have you on at some point there. Just write that down in my future podcast idea book. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so here's something exciting though. IPPE is is almost here. By the time people are listening to this, it'll be a few days away. But when we're recording, this is about a week away. Are there any educational opportunities attendees should take advantage of at the show? Anything you're excited about? Anything that you're doing or presenting at? I'm very excited about IPPE. And from a trade perspective, there are a couple, I have a couple suggestions for folks. One doesn't always happen, but we will have the U.S. Trade Representative, Chief Agriculture Negotiator, Ambassador Doug McCaleb, and U.S. Department of Agriculture's Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs Undersecretary, Alexis Taylor, both at IPPE. They are going to be doing a fireside chat moderated by AFIA CEO Constance Coleman, and that will be on Tuesday, January 30th at the Pet Food Conference. So I think that'll be a really neat experience for those who are interested in trade. I mean, that'd be hearing it directly from the you know U.S. government horse's mouth, so to speak. So that should be an exciting fireside chat is the term. And then if I can, I'd also like to mention the next day, Wednesday, I am hosting a meeting with the Animal Plant Health Inspection Service from USDA. We hosted this meeting last year, and this year it's going to be more policy focused. We actually have about 10 APHIS representatives from both their headquarters and field staff, which is almost unheard of to get all those folks together in a group. It's open not just to AFIA members, so open to folks of the show to meet them. We are going to have several topic tables and interact with those folks. So I think that's going to be a really exciting and unique opportunity for industry and government to come together and collaborate. So looking ahead, uh, what do you see future trends or opportunities with international fee trade? Where do you think the biggest breakthroughs are going to come? And be reminded, you will be held accountable for this later. (laughs) Yes, okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, Mallory's forecasting. I really want to see the industry and feed additives and ingredients manufacturers supporting developing markets. I think that we really can look probably farther in the future than most people want to at the African continent. I think of Nigeria, Kenya, Morocco. These are all countries that want to do better feed and food safety. They want to do better at agriculture. And I really see that feed additives and ingredients could support what they're currently doing and set themselves up to help them grow and really be inundated in that market early. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Vietnam again. We are very excited about Vietnam. The Vietnamese government wants to have foreign investment. They're very open to foreign investment. So now is really the time to be looking at Vietnam and, and how can, again, feed additives and ingredients and, of course, pet food support what they're doing there and get into that marketplace. And Latin America, can't forget Latin America, you know, that's a, a different marketplace because many of those agriculture sectors are very well developed. So that's kind of a different way of looking at it. But how can feed additives and ingredients support a very well-developed agriculture space and add to what they're already doing, increase their feed efficiency? I haven't even touched on fun things like sustainability, which everybody is looking at, climate change. How can feed additives and ingredients get into those markets to increase feed efficiency, to tell the story about how we upcycle our products and utilize them in animal feed? And then, of course, the products that also help with methane reduction is 
high on everybody's list. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a lot of countries that have needs. And I think that those needs can be filled by feed additives and ingredients, which makes my job very exciting to help folks access those markets. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully we'll have you on again next year, or even earlier than that for some of those topics you talked about. And Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate it, as do our listeners. And we're looking forward to everything that's going to happen at IPPE next week. Yeah, same here. Thank you. All right. Bye.